We're going to read the Bible together, so please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. We'll pick it up from verse 27 as well. So Matthew 27, verse 27 through to verse 61. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross. If you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split And the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. 
Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. Thanks, Tim. Good morning. Uh, my name's Dan, and um, happy Good Friday. Can you say that? I, I noticed this conversation a number of times on the way in. People are saying, happy Good Friday, can you say that? It is an extraordinary day that we celebrate, isn't it? The, the death of a man 2,000 years ago for our sin, so that we can, I take it, say, happy Good Friday and mean it. But what, why don't I pray, and we're going to consider that passage that we read before. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to see who Jesus is and to see what happened 2,000 years ago on the cross and why it makes all the difference in the world. Amen. Well, I read a newspaper article this week about... Easter. What do Australians think of Easter? And they came up with all sorts of ideas that were kind of vague and people didn't really know what to do with Easter Friday. And the author kind of, the journalist kind of concluded, well, don't know what to make of Good Friday, but here's what we all have in common. Quote up on the screen. What do Australians really believe at Easter? Australians really believe in the long weekend. <laughs> And Easter is the longest weekend of them all. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful little summary? <laughs> Easter is the longest weekend of them all. And have you worked out the life hack? If you take four days off next week, if you got in quick with work, you get Anzac Day off and Good Friday, you know, you get, you get it like 11 days off the price of four. There you go. If someone got in before you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Australians love long weekends. But beyond that, what can we do with Easter? Is it about anything else? Well, here's another article I read. Another article was reflecting on Easter, and they said this, the metaphor of the Christian Easter can be applied no matter who your God or what your religion. Now, I wasn't quite sure what to make of this, but, but in some sense, I take it what the author's trying to say is there's something spiritual about Easter. There's something there, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> And you notice the Christian Easter can be applied no matter what your religion. It's just this vague sense of something happened. <laughs> now, I wonder if you're in either of those categories this morning, whether someone dragged you here and you'd rather be on your long weekend. If that's you, can I say welcome and thanks heaps for coming. Maybe the person who brought you thinks something about Easter. Maybe you're here this morning because you know there is something about Easter but you're not really sure what to make of it. I want to suggest for us this morning that Easter, that first Good Friday, is the most extraordinary event. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the most extraordinary event in human history. 
It is amazing. And it is not a metaphor. <laughs> it really happened 2,000 years ago. God did something to save us. And it is a wonderful, wonderful news. And here's what I want to suggest. If you, if you can understand what happened then, 2,000 years ago, and why it happened, it changes your life. And it changes everything. Like Danny's life was changed, we heard before. Nothing can be the same if this is true. And if you get what happened. And so that's all I want to do with you this morning. I want to work out with you what happened and why it happened. And then what does it mean for us? First, what happened? Well, quite simply, Jesus died on a cross. The passage that was read for us is from the account of Matthew. He, he, he was one of Jesus' closest followers, and he wrote down for us an account of Jesus' life. And this is kind of halfway through Matthew's account of the crucifixion. So I want to take you back a little bit earlier. I've got a timeline up on the screen. The, the night before Jesus is crucified, he has a meal, as we talked about earlier, the Passover meal with his disciples. After the meal, he goes out into the garden called Gethsemane. It's an olive grove. It's now late at night, and he prays. As he's finished praying, a group of soldiers, men with clubs and, and swords, come with the chief priests, and they arrest Jesus in the middle of the night. In the cover of darkness... And they're led by Judas, one of Jesus' disciples who betrayed him. They take him in the early hours of the morning before dawn to the high priest. And there they question him and they beat him for hours before he's carried off at dawn to Pontius Pilate. And there he's tried by the Roman governor. Pilate finds him innocent of any crime, but he gives in to fear because the people wanted him killed. And so we pick it up in our passage as Pilate condemns Jesus to be crucified and he is led away. It's an awful account that we read, isn't it? The soldiers gather around him, they put a scarlet robe on him, they put a crown of thorns on his head and they fall down in mock worship. Hail, King of the Jews! And they hit him with the staff that they gave him to pretend he was the king. And after they humiliate him, they lead him away to be crucified. Jesus is crucified at about nine in the morning, and for six hours he hangs on the cross, and then at three in the afternoon he dies. It is an awful account, isn't it, of the death of one man? It is a harrowing account. But at its simplest surface level... That is what happened. Jesus died on Good Friday, that first Good Friday. I want to suggest, though, if that's all we make of this, we haven't dug deep enough. That that's like the tip of the iceberg, and there is a massive amount of stuff going on. And it's extraordinary. And I want to dig a little deeper with you this morning. What really happened that first Good Friday? was the Son of God died. It's a staggering claim. 
The Son of God died on that first Good Friday. Let me show you. There's clues in our passage that something deeper is going on. Have a look at verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. There's this supernatural darkness in the middle of the day that comes for three hours as Jesus is hanging on the cross. As he dies, verse 50, he gave up his spirit. The curtain in the temple is torn in two. These are supernatural events. As he dies, the very earth shakes. It's like the earth itself is responding to this event of the death of Jesus. This is a significant event. And those who were there, who, who saw the darkness and who, who felt the earthquake, what was their response? They were terrified. Look at what the centurion and those guarding Jesus said. Surely he was the son of God. This is not the death of an ordinary man. There's something much bigger going on, and it all has to do with who Jesus is. See, for weeks and months leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, he'd actually been preparing his disciples for this moment. He'd said repeatedly to them, I must suffer, be handed over, and be killed, and on the third day rise again. Jesus knew this was going to happen. It wasn't an accident. Actually, it was why he came to die. So here's the extraordinary claim of the Bible about the cross. That this Jesus is God himself come as a man into our world, the Son of God. Why did he come? To die. Isn't that astonishing? I take it if it's not, we've, we've heard this one too many times, haven't we? That the Son of God died 2,000 years ago. That the one who the soldiers mocked, hail King of the Jews, really is the King, the Son of God. See, here's what really happened. 2,000 years ago, the Son of God died on a cross in Jerusalem. Isn't that extraordinary? There's a piece of graffiti that they found this. It's from, from the early 2nd century AD in Rome. It, it's quite a funny bit of graffiti. So it, it says, Alexamenos worships his God. But if you look at the top line, they've, they've kind of misspelled, like they haven't got enough room for Alexamenos, and so they've kind of put some letters up the top. Graffiti doesn't change, does it? <laughs> Here's what's going on, though. Some guy has decided that Alexamenos should be humiliated. Why? Because he worships a crucified God. It's a pretty clear piece of graffiti, isn't it? That there is a donkey on a cross. What's the implication? Alexamenos worships a crucified God. What a stupid thing to do, is what this is saying. But here's the thing, Christians ever since the resurrection have been doing that, have been worshipping Jesus as their crucified Lord, the one who died for them. Which brings us to the question, why? Why would the Son of God die on a cross? Well, here's why, and the answer is simple, 
but it is mind-blowing and beautiful. That the Son of God died, why? To save you. To save you from your sin. The Bible says that we have a problem, a deep problem between us and God, that each of us have turned our backs on him, that we've ignored him. That the God who made us and who loves us gave us life and we've treated him as if he didn't exist. And we've, we've done things that, he, that we ought not to have done. We haven't lived up to his perfect right standard. We have failed to love God as we should. That's what the Bible calls sin. And the problem with sin is because God is a just God, sin has consequences that must happen. Death and judgment. For God to be just, he must punish sin. Which leaves us with a really big problem. (laughs) That each of us has fallen short of God's standards and we're in massive trouble. I wonder if you remember this story from a number of years back. It's a picture on the screen. Anyone remember this? Wasn't this a harrowing account to live through, hey? Uh, let alone actually be there and be one of the boys in the cave. There's the 13 Thai boys who were stuck in the cave, if you remember. That they were playing in the cave somewhere in Thailand in a, in a cave system, and the rain swept through so that they were trapped in basically this little air bubble in, in the cave system. Uh, flick over the next slide. Gives you a sense of where they were. They, they were over a kilometre from air. Extraordinary, hey? And they were living in this little air bubble for, I think, a total of 17 days. And they couldn't get out. You can't swim a kilometre holding your breath, can you? What an awful situation. And it got worse for them that because there was no oxygen coming into their cave, that the air in their cave was running out. Because they were breathing it in and breathing out CO2 and, and it was getting less and less oxygen. They had no food. But here's the thing. I think that gives us a little picture of life under sin if we're left to our own devices. See, each of us, left to ourselves, has ignored God and we're cut off from the source of life, from relationship with Him. And it might feel like freedom. Life's good, isn't it, sometimes? might feel good, but I want to suggest it's like the cave. Because God's judgment is coming. The waters of God's judgment will come. And we're running out of oxygen. We need a saviour, and we can't save ourselves. We can't swim out of the problem. We have ignored God, and we desperately need rescue. And there is nothing we can do on our own. That's the problem of sin. And it's a cave of our own making that we have ignored God. But here's the wonderful news. God sent a saviour. God sent someone to rescue us. Have a look at verse 39. Those who passed by Jesus on the cross hurled insults at him shaking their head and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, they say to Jesus. Come down now from the cross and we will believe if you really are the Son of God. 
Further down, the elders and the chief priests say he saved others, but he can't save himself. How is this the Son of God? Here is this moment as Jesus hangs on the cross that the people couldn't see. They only saw the surface, that a man died. They couldn't see what was deeper that was going on, that the Son of God was dying on the cross. He is the Son of God, and that is why he would not save himself. Because the very reason he came was to save us. It is remarkable love, isn't it? Picture this, that Jesus is dying on the cross, and he is being mocked by the very people he came to save. The very people he came to save are saying, get off the cross and we'll believe. And yet Jesus hangs there and stays there and dies. Why? Out of his love, because he wants to save us. It is a beautiful message at Easter that God has done something about our great problem of sin. See, the punishment for sin must be paid. God is a just God. And Jesus deals, he came to deal with our problem of sin. Here's how. Let me show you, verse 46. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There is a lot going on in those words. As Jesus is dying on the cross, what's going on is this. And these, these words point to a breathtaking reality for us. That the Son of God, who made the world who made our world, entered it as a man to take our place on the cross, to take the punishment we deserved on himself. See, the punishment for our sin had to be paid and it is placed on Jesus. He dies in our place. He dies the death we deserve. And as he takes our sin, he takes the judgment of God on himself that was meant for us. That's why Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he is experiencing the judgment of God to save us. It is a beautiful, wonderful message that if you trust in Jesus, your sin has been taken away because it has been placed on Jesus. Which means God offers you a total pardon, forgiveness, and a relationship with him. Isn't it a good Friday? God wants a relationship with you so much that he sent his son to die for you. But think back to the cave with me for a moment. We haven't rescued the boys yet, have we? They're still there. It, is a, it was a, a terrifying situation. The, the Thai Navy tried to come in and they couldn't because they didn't have the skills and so they couldn't get to the boys. And the problem was that the monsoon weather was coming and the water was about to sweep through the cave and they would be gone. They knew the forecast, it was coming. And what did they do? They called these amateur cave divers from around the world. It's not a professional sport. <laughs> so they got the best in the world who all have other jobs. There's a photo on the screen of them. British, Australian, kind of nerdy guys who come in and they knew how to cave dive. <laughs> and they come in and what do they do? They come and rescue the boys. 
It was the only way. They tried everything else. They tried pumping it out. They tried putting normal people in to rescue, and it didn't work. The only way to save was for these cave divers to come, and they did. And it's a wonderful story of rescue, isn't it? But there was no other way. And it's the same with us. See, we are stuck because of our sin, and we cannot save ourselves. The only way to be saved is by trusting in Jesus, the one who came to save you. It is the only way. Because God sent his son to die so that you could be saved. And it's better than the cave divers. He, he takes your place so that you can be saved. And all of that leaves us with a choice. What does that mean for us? Well, left on our own, we are stuck in the cave of sin. And we deserve God's judgment. It's a terrifying picture. The waters of God's judgment will come. We are running out of oxygen. But God has done something to save you. He has sent the Lord Jesus. What will you do with him? Well, I want to show a verse that we read before in the kids' spot. It's a beautiful verse in John 3.16. Listen to what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Just pause. Isn't that extraordinary? So a wonderful message at Easter, that God loves you. He loved you so that he sent his son to die for you. But how can you be saved? Listen to, listen to the next bit. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life with God. It's like Jesus is holding out his hand to you this morning and saying, come, come and be saved. What must you do? Well, we can't do anything to save ourselves, but Jesus came to save us. How do you be saved? Trust him. Take his hand and let him take you out of the cave to eternal life. Trust him, the one who died for you. That's how we can be saved. There's nothing we can do. Just like the boy, they didn't contribute anything to their salvation. They let the cave divers rescue them. And it's the same with us. How can you be saved? Trust the one who came to rescue you. See, Jesus really did, on that first Good Friday, take all of our sin on himself. He took the judgment of God that was meant for us. There is hope of rescue if you would trust in him. No judgment separating you and God, a relationship with God forever. I want to suggest that is too good to pass up, isn't it? If this is true, isn't that an extraordinary offer that God offers you this morning? Come and be saved and have a relationship with me. What have we seen? We've seen this morning, what, what happened on that first Good Friday? What really happened? The Son of God died. Why? To save you. Which leaves us with a choice. What will you do with Jesus? Will you take his hand and trust him?
Will you cast yourself on him to be saved? Now, all of that, for, for some of you, might be totally fresh. And so as we finish, can I just reflect with you on, on a couple of next steps that you might want to take? One, if, if you're here this morning and, and this is new for you, we want to think more about these things, can I encourage you to come to a series we run called Life? It's starting in a couple of weeks, and what life is, is six weeks examining the claims of Jesus, what he did, what he said, and what it means for us. It's a wonderful time, and it's free dessert. <laughs> Great time, six weeks to consider these claims. And can I suggest, if th th these claims are so big that it is worth your time to think seriously about them. You might be here this morning, and, and you do believe these things. Maybe you... You've drifted away from these things in the past or, or from church. Can I encourage you to come back to Jesus, to trust him? And can I suggest Sunday, is a church on Sundays, is a great place to keep coming back to. Actually, we're having church on Sunday for Easter Sunday. And every Sunday of the year, we, we meet here to look at the Bible and see what God says. Can I say that would be a great thing to do? But for all of us, isn't this a wonderful morning? Good Friday. That our Saviour came to rescue us. So I'm going to pray. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you so much for your amazing love that you sent your Son to die for us so that we might be saved and forgiven and have a relationship with you. We thank you that it is a wonderful, good Friday because of what you have done. Amen.